Good morning, everyone. It's a great joy to be with you here this morning. Have you ever made a bargain with God? Usually when I'm really sick, which thank God I haven't been really sick in a long time, right? But if you're ever in a lot of pain or you're really sick, you say things like, Lord, I'll do anything if you just let me feel better, right? Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Lord, I'm in so much pain. I'll do anything. Just take this pain away from me. Uh, you're sick and better. You're like, Lord, I'll do anything if I can just feel healthy and normal, right? We make bargains with God. Or our parents. I remember growing up, and whenever I wanted something from my mom, I would say, Mom, do you know how much I love you, right? Um, or for my dad, it was like, Okay, I got good grades this semester, I've been good, can I have some extra time on the Xbox or whatever, right? We bargain uh, to try to get our way sometimes. Today, the, the uh, Pharisees and Herodians bargain with God, and I want to get to that in a second. There's two main points for today. The first point, I want to open up our, our gospel a little bit and kind of explain what's going on here. And then secondly, uh, we're going to close with tithing and money. Last week, Father Brian kicked us off uh, about tithing and money, and this week, well, I want to give some kind of practicals around it. So, two-week series on money. We preach about money once a year. Uh, if you're not usually coming to Lourdes, uh, we're so glad you're here. Just know that we only preach about money once a year. <laughs> and just a note with that, I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. I think we're doing such amazing things here at Lourdes, and we couldn't do it without your help. Of course, time and talent, the way that you give, but also financially, the way that you give. Uh, my experience here at Lourdes has been that all of you are so, so, so generous, and so thank you so much for your generosity. So the gospel for today, uh, we hear ends with, render unto, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God's what is God's. What's interesting is that's actually not the full conclusion or the last sentence in today's uh, kind of stanza. The way that it ends, the last line into the section says this, when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. What's so powerful about this phrase, render unto God what is God's, unto Caesar what is Caesar's, what's so powerful about that that they marveled? Because on, on service value, it's just like, okay, that's a nice phrase. Yes, Jesus, thanks for saying that, but I don't necessarily marvel at it. I hope by the end of this mar uh, homily, we marvel at what this means. And today I want to open this up a little bit for you. So the Herodians and the Pharisees come to Jesus once again, and they want to entangle him. They want him to say something that is untruthful. And they begin by bargaining with Jesus. Teacher, we know that you are good. We know that you are true. You are so great, Jesus. You are the Messiah. And they're saying it with kind of a sarcastic tone. Because they don't actually believe that. Right? Uh, Mom, do you know how much I love you? Right? Jesus, you are good. You are great. You're the true teacher. We trust your opinion. We want to know your opinion. Is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar or not? Jesus then receives a denarius from them. What's a denarius? Denarius is that day's wage, that coin. And here's what's really ironic. What's on the denarius? On one side of the denarius is an image 
of Caesar Augustus, at this time Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of Julius Caesar. In the inscription on that coin read Caesar Augustus Tiberius, Divi Filius, son of the divine, son of God. On the back of that coin was then an inscription that said Pontifex Maximus, the most high priest. That title, 200 years later, is then prescribed to, pope, to the Pope. It was actually kind of in jest. Tertullian uh, was a heretic at the time. He was a monetist. And so he told the Pope, oh, you're just the Pontifex Maximus. Oh, you can just decide what church teaching is, and none of this stuff matters, right? He was saying it in jest, but yet it stuck. Pontifex Maximus. Today, if you go on Twitter, right, the handle for Pope Francis is at Pontifex, right? So the hashtag has always been hashtag ask Pontifex, if you have a question. So, when you get home, you can go on Twitter and ask the Pope anything you want. Don't know full answer, but you can try it. Pontifex Maximus, meaning high priest. And so the irony of this is on that coin, an image of supposedly the Son of God, this emperor who is a ruler, as the high priest. And the irony is that Jesus receives that coin, who's the true high priest? And who's the true Son of God? You see the problem with that. Jesus knew their hearts, knew their thoughts. He wasn't going to be entrapped or entangled by them. <clears throat> What's so fascinating about this is that if Jesus were to say, yes, go pay the census tax, the Pharisees would have been upset. If he said, no, don't pay the census tax, the Herodians would have been upset. Why would the Pharisees have been upset? With the inscription of that coin, an image of something else, of someone else, an image of supposedly this alleged son of God, the Pharisees would have been thinking about Exodus chapter 20. See, Pharisees stuck to the law. Exodus chapter 20 is when Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God. God says this, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or anything like it. If Jesus or the Jews were to bring this coin that has an image of a pagan emperor who, alleges, who allegedly is the Son of God, if the Jews were to bring that into the house of God in the temple, then they have an image before the Lord. They become idolatrous. They become pagan worshipers. Which, by the way, if you didn't know this, right, when Jesus flips over the money-changing tables, why were there money-changing tables in the temple? It's because the Jews would take the Roman coins, the denarius or whatever else, they would exchange it in, those in the money-changing tables for the shekel. The shekel, of course, even to this day, is the currency in Israel. They had the money-changing tables in order to remove the image that wasn't supposed to be in the temple. There are no images in the temple because God dwells there and they're not supposed to have any images other than God himself. Now here's the cool part. Jesus asked, whose likeness and inscription is this? Caesar's. 
Therefore, that which is in the image and likeness of Caesar, give back to Caesar. Brothers and sisters, who are we? We are the image and likeness of God. Therefore, if we're the image and likeness of God, we're called to give back what is God's. Your life is a gift. What are we called to give to God? We're called to give everything. Last week, we heard about that wedding garment. Our wedding garment, our baptism, our charity that we're clothed with, we're called to give everything back to God. That's what it means to be a Christian. So you can see how the ironic, is, the ironic this is. When Jesus receives that coin and says, render under Caesar what is Caesar's, he's not saying there's a separation of church and state. That's often the way people read this. That's not at all what's going on. What he's saying is, your life is marked by God because of your baptism, because you're made in his image and likeness, and therefore you're called to give it back to God. But the things of this world, we're not going to be able to take to heaven. Therefore, the things of this world give back to the world. That's why they marveled at it. Jesus knew how to not fall into their traps. Our life, brothers and sisters, belong to God. And we're called to give everything back to Him. That's the main point for today. If we truly live the Christian message, then everything makes sense about what I'm supposed to say about tithing for today. Does our love of God, does our desire to give everything back to Him, does that inform the way that we think about our time, our gifts, but also our bank accounts, also the way that we think about money? God desires us to give everything to Him, which includes even the things that may be hardest for us to give. So maybe just a couple practical things, and then I want to close with three reasons why people may struggle to give. What is a tithe? When we talk about tithe, tithe literally means one-tenth, so 10%. So it comes from the Old Testament law where the Israelites were asked to give 10% of what they had back to the temple, to the Lord. 10% uh, is kind of a misnomer, kind of a misunderstanding, because the Jews gave actually a lot more than 10%. It was 10% of their income, it was also 10% of their fields, their produce, and um, their crops. So they wound up giving more than 10%. What's the New Testament law? Jesus doesn't say necessarily give 10%. He doesn't give a specific number. What Jesus says is he takes every Old Testament law and increases it. He doesn't say give 10%. He says give your whole life. Render unto God what is God's. Give your whole life to the Lord. Now, practically speaking, then, I don't think uh, just because there's not a specific percentage doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for something. I think 10% is a great goal to strive for. If you're not at 10% yet, that's okay. You've got to start somewhere. If you're already at 10%, great. Could you give a little bit more? 10.5%, 11%. You know, there's a great story of our parish... When Father Brian got here 10 years ago, he wanted to make this a tithing parish. Which at that time, there wasn't a, a huge offertory, and so he said, I want to take 1%, just 1% of the offertory, and give it to an account, a, private, a separate account called the tithing account, and then we're going to meet quarterly as a tithing committee, 
in order to decide where this money should go to, to give back to the community. Maybe the poor in our community here, maybe it's to uh, serve, um, help the missionaries at Christ in the city to serve the poor, different communities, different apostolates in those ways. Year by year, Father Brian added an extra percent. And just this year, since our fiscal year in July, we're now up at 10% of our offertory, a full tithe, goes into their tithing account. And that way, whenever there's a second collection, except the ones uh, strictly mandated by the diocese, we, we try our, our best not to have a second collection. We take it from that tithing account and give generously to those in need. Parishioners, uh, apostolates, to give back to the local community. I remember when I first started tithing, it wasn't for the sake of giving just to God. Certainly there's a practical element, we have to keep the lights on. But we don't give to the church for the church's sake. We don't give to God for God's sake. We give because it actually makes us better Christians. When we give generously, it helps us not to be attached to the things of this world, our, our greed, our avarice. It, uh, uh, releases us from that so that we can be attached to the things of God. When we are generous, we become better Christians. That's why we give. Not just to keep the lights on, but because it changes the way that we think about this world. It changes our Christianity. So maybe three reasons why people don't give. First, maybe we don't give because we have a fear of the future. I don't know if the Lord's going to provide for me. I don't know how I'm going to make rent. We're not saying you should tie the full 10% if you're going to struggle to do that. But I do think maybe just one challenge is we take risks in all types of different things. We take risks often. But will we risk our finances by giving generously back to the church and to the Lord? Will we take a risk and trust the Lord even with our finances. Maybe a second reason why people don't give. My gift is so small that it's meaningless. It doesn't matter. I don't think that's true. Because we don't, once again, we don't give to the church for the church's sake. What we invite you into today, or what I invite you into today, is when you give, when you give generously, it affects you. And for one, giving generously might be a very small amount. For another, giving generously might be a big amount. The point isn't how much it is. The point is how it affects your relationship with the Lord. Even the smallest of gifts can go a great long way in our relationship with the Lord. And then maybe a third reason why people don't give is I forget. Right? I don't carry cash anymore. I don't have cash on me. So when those baskets get passed around, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to give. I would challenge that and say, we're intentional about so many things in our life. I get my work done so that I can have a three-day weekend. I save up my PTO so I can have that sweet vacation next summer. I'm intentional about all these things, but am I intentional about the way that I think about money? One of the practical ways that you could give, of course, is by donating online. It sets a habitual kind of function there in which I intentionally think about this. Or maybe once a year, you just look at your finances and say, I'm gonna write a check for 10% or whatever it is to the church. 
We're intentional about so many things in our life, but are we intentional about finances? So those are some practical elements. Brothers and sisters, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We have the imprint of Jesus Christ on us and in us. And because of that, we're not called to stay here. We're called to give everything back to the Lord with our eyes fixed on heaven. Being a Christian means to give everything back to the Lord. Today I invite you to, to pray with that. This week I invite you to pray with that. I invite you to look at your finances, especially for 2024. Are my finances informed by my love of God and giving everything away to Him? <laughs>